Okay, so uh, uh, sort of an odd positioning of this last chapter, chapter 24. The uh, previous chapter was the last words of David. And I gotta tell you, I've been chewing on some of those verses uh, uh, from last week's lesson uh, ever since last Tuesday night where um, especially in chapter 23 where uh, David is called uh, the sweet psalmist of Israel. In other words, that's sort of the, the words on his tombstone there as these are his last words. Not the great commander of Israel, uh, not the, the leader of, of thousands, not the first, even the first king of Israel. He was the man after God's own heart. And that's what we want to be. Uh, but uh, it, it encourages me to, uh, to learn that, uh, that David was a man who, who stumbled and, and fell. He was far from perfect. In fact, uh, today we are going to be right, uh, reading, tonight we're going to be reading um, an account in which he confesses, he does something and then confesses to the Lord that he has sinned very greatly. Uh, after he sinned with Bathsheba and Uriah, he said to the Lord, I have sinned. But uh, this sin, uh, he says, I have sinned very greatly. And so we should be pay really close attention to that. But how amazing it is, is that this example uh, for all of history of this man who was a man of God's own heart also had some serious failings. Actually, we close Second Samuel about one of his uh, serious failings. Um, I do think there's a reason that they close with this chapter. Again, it's not in chronological order here. Um, they close with it just because of the importance of what happens uh, in the chapter after David repents of his sin and um, he, he purchases a place where uh, he would offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And it's the very place uh, of the temple and uh, around the very place as well where uh, Jesus himself uh, would die on the cross. And so um, that's probably the reason for the positioning here. But, you know, the wonderful thing about the Bible, it does not hide uh, the serious, serious sins and failures uh, of the men and women of God in, 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 the, in, the, in the Bible. And uh, you just go yourself and look at um, other religions and their holy books and see what they do uh, to their people. Um, they, the people are really, in a sense, themselves God gods in the sense that they seem to have cleansed the characters in their religious books of all their, um, of all their, of all their sins. And uh, just yet another reason why the religions are a great burden and a crushing burden on the people, because who can measure up to um uh, those kind of lives. But um, we have these examples um, and uh, we're so, they're so precious to us. It says in, so let's start in, in 2 uh, Samuel 24. 
It says the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel and he moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. And so uh, in the parallel account in first Chronicles, we're going to be reading a lot of the same things that we read in, uh, in second Samuel. We're going to read them uh, a number of them again in, in, in first Chronicles, but, um, uh, in First Chronicles, in the parallel account, it says, Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Uh, and so the two verses need to be read together. Now, again, on Tuesday nights, we tend to go deeper and dissect even more some of uh, the verses Note here that the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved, and the he moved David against them, and the he is a capital H. Well, if you go into all the translations um, of Second Samuel twenty-four one, uh, some of them actually do not have the capital H. They it, it's a small H and. Um, you know, they do it to be consistent. I believe it appears they do it to be consistent with First Chronicles 21, which says Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. And so, uh, you know, uh, which is right there. I'm inclined to believe that uh, it is correct to capitalize the H here. Um, the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them uh, just because of the positioning of the words. <laughs> uh, it says, Lord, and then he. Uh, and so if, uh, if uh, it was supposed to be Satan, it would have said Satan there. So I'm inclined um, to believe that. Uh, but um, interesting here that it's... it's uh, this is uh, this is clearly something that Satan was used in this case by God uh, to do uh, in Israel there to have a census to number the people and we're let's we're going to talk about uh, in a little bit about why that was uh, such a serious sin but um, you know people people here. Uh, there has been some speculation about uh, what, why was the anger of the Lord aroused against Israel? And um, some people feel like it was, because this does appear to be towards the end of David's life after the rebellion, after the civil war, the re rebellion by Absalom. Some people think it was just because 10 of the tribes had rebelled against David and, and, and backed a very wicked man. And there was still some of that rebellion in their heart and they needed to be judged. Uh, I'm more inclined to believe it was just pride because uh, for the first time in 400 years, the nation of Israel had experienced peace and along with peace, enormous economic prosperity and and uh, inevitably what comes with that is pride and um 
And, uh, but, you know, it doesn't say exactly what it was. It just says the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. So it has been said, and, and, and I believe wisely, that really what's going on here is a plot, uh, which is God had an issue with Israel, but then there's a subplot, God had an issue with David. Um, uh, clearly something was going on with David, and with him, I believe it clearly was he had a pride issue, and, and we'll see that in a moment. Um, but but the but I believe that that the larger issue as well was um, was an uh, an issue with Israel. You know, we've seen this uh, before. Uh, I've actually well, I've talked about it before. I believe in in Judges chapter nine it says uh, the Lord sent evil spirits to um, in Israel that caused civil war in Israel. In Judges chapter 9, that was um, Gideon's son, Abimelech, who was a wicked man himself. And there he stirred up civil war, and it was for the purpose of judgment that the Lord did, did, did that. I believe it's also 1 Kings 22, where the Lord uh, sends lying spirits again, uh, to lie to the people through the false prophets. There's many false prophets. And um, it was, again, to hasten judgment. He was dealing with Israel. Uh, and uh, we will get to verse 2 eventually, but, you know, from you know, it's, it, I made no secret of the fact during um, this whole COVID um, pandemic in the last year that I believe the, is from the Lord with all my heart, uh, I believe it's from the Lord um, who is trying to get the attention of the United States of America and the world. Uh, he is our greatest joy and yet we've ignored him. And it's it, it just through an act of mercy, uh, we have had this judgment. Um, but you've probably, it's, it's someone actually pointed this out to me. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that that there are um, demonic, uh, satanic things at work anytime there's death. And so it's one of the strange things, we read about it in the book of, uh, of Job, uh, that um, you know, God uses Satan to uh, even to afflict his own people. And so um, this, this is a similar thing, I think, going on here. We have a plot, God, it, it's clearly God um, has, is, is judging Israel, as we'll see. Uh, but, but it says that, uh, uh, it says in, in, in First Chronicles 21 that uh, Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Uh, and so the king said to Joab, verse 2, the commander of the army who was with him, now go throughout all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and count the people that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said to the king, now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times more than there are. And may the eyes of my Lord and king see it. But why does my Lord the king desire this thing? Why does he desire this thing? And then it says in verse four, nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Job and importantly, against the captains of the army. 
Therefore, Joab and the captains of the army went out from the presence of the king to count the people of Israel. Now, Moses, before he, uh, uh, before he died, right before he died in the book of Deuteronomy, that awesome book, Deuteronomy, that we went uh, through last couple of, couple of years ago, uh, the, um, what he, he, he gave a, a rule for kings, and that was do not uh, multiply horses, do not multiply gold and silver, and do not multiply wives, a rule for kings. And um, the, when he said multiply horses, I didn't have anything against horses, um, but really what he was talking about was the army. And um, he really did not want kings to get this crazy idea in their mind that it was by the strength of their army that they, uh, it, he didn't want the kings to get the idea that it was the strength of their army that, uh, that they were victorious. And, and so while they were allowed to raise armies, uh, they were all they, basically what was ordered by the Lord was restraint. Like, don't go crazy uh, with the size of your armies. Um, David knew this. David knew it very well. In fact, Psalm 20, a Psalm of David, verse seven, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord, your God. Now, I think it's fascinating here that Joab, and look, this guy Joab, uh, we've seen him do some, some noble things, and we've seen him do some really wicked things. Uh, uh, he, he, uh, David had such issues with him by the end of his life, as we saw last week. He's not even named with the mighty men, even though he was one of them. Uh, and so uh, he was just omitted. But... Um, but here he, here, I, I think this reflects really well on David that not only Joab, it says in verse four, but against, uh, but also the captains of the army were like, David, wait, wait a second. This is, this is not what you've taught us all these years. All these years you have taught us um, in the Psalms that it's, it's the Lord that brought victory. It's the Lord that brought uh, the power and dominion. It's, it's the Lord that has expanded your borders all the way, essentially at the time it was to the Euphrates River and then all the way down to Egypt. The commanders would, of the armies in Job would have heard David, quote, would have heard his song. They would have um, heard it at the tabernacle, sung. Some trust in, because the psalm is a song, and David ordered songs to be um, sung by the Levites. We'll see that in, uh, more about that in First Chronicles. But they would have heard this song written by David, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And, and, and so they're like, wait, this is, you've always taught us that we, that we shouldn't do this. And you know, we just had a parenting seminar on Tuesday nights and so wonderful things from time to time to be rebuked by your own children based upon what you have taught them in the past and where um, you have, you know, you, you, 
you begin to stray from time to time. Um, one of my kids will will correct me. Praise the Lord for that. Um, uh, I, I praise God for that. But um, they'll actually use the, sometimes they'll actually use the word rebuke. I rebuke you, Dad. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, it says unfortunately here though that the, the 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 word of the king prevailed against. Joab and against the captains of the army. You know, they knew it was a sin to be uh, counting the army because what was really going on in David's heart, he just wanted to, to reflect on how powerful he was. Now, from time to time in the past, we've seen a census actually that was ordered by the Lord. It was for the purpose of preparing for the war, a war. There's no war that they're preparing for now. This is just a man who has um, drifted. He, there's been some drift in his spiritual life. And um, he uh, now is, is, is wanting to just reflect on his greatness. Big problem. It ain't his greatness. It's, it's God's greatness. And what did we talk about on Sunday morning? Uh, I tell you, this, um, uh, this theme of, of, of faith and uh, lack of faith that we have been in the book of Mark. It just doesn't go away. But what did, what was it, what did I say in, in, the, in, in the message on Sunday morning? I was talking about, I, and then I've done, I do this about every couple of years or every year. I just, I, I just let everyone know, look, I know this much about you. You have mile markers put there by the Lord, which represent markers of his faithfulness and goodness in your life. So many of them. God is the one that has brought you to this place that you're in. It's not you. Um, I was reflecting just as I was, um, uh, just as I was uh, preparing for for this message. That I don't know how many times in my life that there was some point where everything could have gone the other way. And there wouldn't be no Pastor Steve there. You wouldn't know me. Um, you, I, I never would have gotten into ministry. I, I never would have gotten uh, to, to, to this place. I wouldn't be preaching here tonight. Um, just reflecting, 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 reflecting on, on, on. I was thinking when during Stephanie and my engagement, we, uh, uh, neither of us, uh, we're walking with the Lord when we uh, met and got engaged. And man, there were some major battles there. Um, and we easily could have split up at one. Well, she broke off the engagement twice. It could have easily been permanent. And but, but not only that, just even after being with the Lord, there's so many times where just in my own stupidity, um, I, I could have just gone in a completely different foolish direction, but the Lord has rescued me from it. Um, so so uh, it, it's, it, 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 and, and it's good for, just to be reminded that whatever you have in your life right now, which is a lot, um, the Lord brought you to this place and there's been multiple, many times where it just, just so easily could have gone the other way. Um, and, and so David, uh, unfortunately, he lets the old man, uh, uh, well, that's New Testament language, um, but he lets um, David 
the sinner um, prevail. He lets his flesh prevail. He hasn't been spending enough time with the Lord. And um, I was just uh, this morning in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, put off the old man, put on the new man. And some of you may remember when I was in this book, uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Put off, put on, put off, put on, put off, put on. Every day, you got to put off the old man. I'm amazed how easily and the old man, I can be overcome by the old man, meaning uh, the, the, the Roman chapter 7 says there's still sin in you, sin in me, that has the capacity to sort of just take over and influence uh, influence and it's almost like a spirit sometimes uh, that, that you're, you're walking in the flesh, you're walking in the old man. And, and Paul says, no, put off. It's actually, it's the Holy Spirit say, put off the old man. And this is an everyday thing, even an every hour thing. Put off the old man, put on the new man. Well, David clearly here, um, there's been some drift, hasn't been spending some time with the Lord, wants to just Find out how many military people has have so he can just think about how great he is. I, it's a, it's, it hurts to say this stuff about David, but that is um, that is what is going on. Um, he, there's peace. There's an enormous amount of financial wealth at this time. Um, there's just a lot of power um, at this time, you know, and, and, and let this be a warning for, for any of you who have been walking with the Lord 10, 20, 30 years. Um, this is what can happen. You know, this is one of the reasons that we, the tithing is so important. And because sometimes when you get a little older, you're making a little bit more money. Listen, the more money you make, the more you should be unloading because, uh, second Samuel chapter 24 is the type of thing that can, uh, happen to you. You'll start resting in the security of your finances or your position or whatever it is that you have. And so um, the king's word prevails against Joab and against the captain. So they go off and they do a census. Uh, verse five, and they crossed over the Jordan and camped in Aurora on the right side of the town, which is in the midst of the ravine of Gad and towards Jazer. Then they came to Gilead and to the land of Tathim Hodshi. They came to Danjan and around to Sidon. And they came, in other words, they're going from top to bottom. Sidon's at the very, very uh, north. Uh, and they came to the stronghold of Tyre, to all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. And then they went out to South Judah as far as Beersheba. So Beersheba's um, at the very south of Israel. Uh, Sidon's at the very top. Uh, Gilead is in the uh, is in the in the east, and so they. It takes. It says verse eight. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and twenty days. So it took a long time. Nine months and twenty days, showing up at in cities, taking a census, a colossal waste of time. Uh, you, you know. The flesh is, or it, it, sin is really expensive and it wastes so much time. The, the, the flesh will have us waste an enormous amount of time. Just nine wasted months. He has a, 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 an army general and a whole unit going out and taking um, the census here. Verse nine, then Joab gave the sum 
of the number of the people to the king. And there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were 500,000. Uh, yeah, so just um, just a, a great tragedy there. Uh, now, it's interesting in the book of uh, First Chronicles, Joab, uh, it, it, it has different numbers. Uh, it says in um, First Chronicles 21.5, then Joab gave the sum of the number of the people and, the, and all Israel had mil, a million one hundred thousand who drew the sword and Judah had 400,000, 470,000 men who drew the sword. Uh, these are clearly different numbers. And um, when during the par parenting seminar, by the way, when I was talking about teaching your children, make sure you talk to your children, you point out the difficulties of the Bible. And it may be even good that you still are trying to figure them out to tell them that he, humility will go a long way with your kids. Um, it's, it, it's really hard to reconcile these two verses. You'll read some commentators. I remember reading one. He just said, it's hopeless. Uh, in, in first Chronicles 21, six, it does say, but Joab did not count the people of Levi or Benjamin for the king's word was an abomination to him. <laughs> Joab, uh, Joab did not, it was an abomination to, uh, to, to Joab. And that may account for the, the, the difference there, that um, something was going on that uh, it says he did not count Levi and Benjamin. Some of the numbers may have been included in one count, uh, and, and some other numbers were included in the, in, in the other one. But there are two different numbers. Uh, some people just say it's a scribal error, um, that the original had, uh, the original manuscripts had it right, but um, you know, uh, from time to time, we put a dot down and it's in a, in a dot in Hebrew, I can't remember what a dot is, but it's like 10,000. Um, or a hundred thousand or something. It's really easy to to make mistakes as they were transcribing these documents. I'm not sure what the reason is. I do know one thing. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, uh, which many people uh, who are enemies of the faith and enemies of the Bible would have you do. They would point out that error and say, "You might as well, okay." So that means you can't believe anything else about the Bible. Uh, well, would you read that rest of the Bible, please? <laughs> Which clearly, clearly with all the fulfilled prophecy and just the internal, internal consistency and the way the whole thing is put together is so supernatural. So uh, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, so anyway, he gives them this number there in verse nine, and then it says, and David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So he was immediately convicted, you know, um, I, I personally have a hard time believing during this season of time, during the sense of time that he was having that rich, rich time with the Lord. You know, the, my favorite Psalms are the Psalms 
that were appear to have been written before David was king, when he was just in the middle of great, great suffering and turmoil, when he was just relying on the Lord, when he was dependent upon the Lord. Listen, if you're if you got great terrible, well, rather, if you get great affliction and trial, and, and what you view as terrible circumstances right now, as hard as it is um, to accept this, look, this can be the richest spiritual time of your life. Indeed, David's was during that time. I'm sure there, there were no Psalms written during this nine months. I'm completely convinced um, of, uh, of that while this, uh, while this was concluded. But something about bringing the number back to him, something about it um, really affected him. And it says his heart was condemned. You know, I was thinking as I prepared, why does it say Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel? Um, well, of course, God has to judge sin. If there's sin, he, he has to judge sin. Um, but when Satan is tempting David in this circumstance, you know, what exactly is going on? Well, I believe supremely it's what we just talked about. He knows that if David's moved to do this kind of thing, the intimacy between David and God is going to go. It's, it, it, it's going to leave. Um, and that's what the devil wants to do when he moves you to temptation, whether it's pride, sexual temptation, greed, whatever. He wants supremely, more than anything else, to affect your intimacy with God. So David had nine months of a lack of intimacy, and um, by the grace of God, his heart condemned him. Um, and he said to the Lord, I've sinned greatly. In what I have done, but now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very, very foolishly. Sorry, there's just one very. He said, I have done very foolishly. And again, after he um, sinned with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite, uh, the um, adultery and murder there, he just uses the word I have sinned. Here he says, I have sinned greatly. Um, I tell you, uh, lack of thankfulness of God and pride and these kind of sins, uh, it, when you look at the sin of Adam and Eve, it supremely was about pride. They wanted to be like God. Uh, Lucifer, when, why he was cast out of heaven, it was he wanted to be not only like God, above God. And um, David uh, recognizes this. I have sinned greatly in what I have done, but now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Now, when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, uh, uh, David's seer, saying, go and tell David, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things Choose one of them for yourself that I may do it to you. So there's going to be judgment. This is an exceedingly great sin, but also Israel as a whole was in great sin at the time. God's their greatest joy. And so God um, basically 
sends this judgment um, uh, 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 against them. And here now David in this kind of subplot, there's a plot involving all of Israel going on, and there's a subplot involving just David, um, where he's given three choices of judgment, um, that three choices of, of judgment here. And the, the, these are the choices. Verse 13. Number one, shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? So that's number one. Seven years of famine come into the land where there's no crops, where there's no real harvest going on. Starvation, this kind of thing. Number two, or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you? And number three, or shall there be three days of plague in your land? Now consider and see what consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. So Gad's saying, make up your mind and then tell me, and I'll take it back to the Lord. And it says here, and David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great, but do not let the, me fall into the hand of man. And so a couple things here. Number one, I think it's important that after nine months of a rotten intimacy with God, uh, the intimacy is restored, and it's restored immediately right there in verse 10. David knew. He knew. He wrote... One of the Psalms that I uh, uh, memorized during the COVID time, Psalm 32, uh, is a Psalm by David. David wrote it. And um, it, this is, this is it's, it's an interesting Psalm. He says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, what does that mean? And whose spirit is no deceit. I thought he's just talking about he had sinned greatly. Well, that means that in his spirit, he's not faking it with the Lord. He's being fully transparent uh, uh, to the Lord. He's not being a hypocrite to the Lord. Uh, and, and that's supremely, David knew this stuff. And he knew he had been a hypocrite. He knew that he in his heart, there had been no deceit. And in order to get the deceit out of his heart, he needed to confess. And so the moment, so David knows all about forgiveness. Uh, he says in Psalm uh, uh, 32, when I kept uh, silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. Your day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. I acknowledge my sin to you. My iniquity, I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this reason, everyone who is godly shall pray to you. So he knew, he knew that a person who just unloaded, surrendered in confession to the Lord, there was a restoration. And so there was peace. Immediately, his intimacy is restored. So in that sense, there's peace, peace between him and God. Now, he's still in distress because he knows judgment's coming. But the most important thing is that the intimacy with God has been restored there. Um, 
But that, though the intimacy and there's peace with God, that doesn't mean there's no consequences. And so uh, when, when you go to confess, uh, it's important that you understand intimacy is returned turned immediately, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be any consequences um, for your sin. And so um, he, he, he makes the choice. Uh, and again, seven years of famine, three months fleeing from your enemies or three days of plague. He says, I'll take the plague uh, because um, I would rather fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercies are great. In other words, there'll be a, there'll be a plague for three days, but, but it'll be up to the Lord and not to man um, what the ultimate punishment was. And, and, and again, as I said at the very outset, David is a, a man after God's own heart. He knows the Lord, Calvary Chapel. Know this about God. He, uh, his mercies are great. You would rather be in the hands of God than the hands of man. Now, the carnal man doesn't understand this. The man who's not born again does not understand this. Best illustration to me uh, in the Bible, in my opinion, of course, is Matthew 25, parable of the talents. You know the one. He, he, uh, uh, the, Jesus tells a parable, and to the first guy, he gives, um, uh, he, gives uh, in, 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 he gives five talents. This is Matthew 25, five talents. To the next guy, he gives two talents. Uh, and to the last one, he gave one talent. The first guy goes out and um, makes five more talents. And so it gives the Lord 10 and the, uh, and, and the Lord says, enter into the joy of your Lord. And then the guy who got two talents, uh, goes out and makes two talents, gives him four. Uh, and the Lord says, well done, enter into the joy of the Lord. But the, but the, but the last guy who only got one talent said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid and I went and hid your talent. That's the unregenerate man. That's the unregenerate woman. The, 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 this, the, and this is what pe prevents people from being saved. When you're praying for your family member to be saved, your friend, whoever, pray that the lies of the enemy would be taken off of their eyes because uh, it's, it's, it's usually this. It's, whoa, I mean, if I start serving the Lord, uh, He's a hard taskmaster. He's a hard man. He reaps where he you haven't even sown, and, and he tries to squeeze every bit of fun out of your life. And but what did the Lord say when the, when the man said this to him? He said, "You wicked and lazy servant! You're saying you knew I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Those are just lies." This man was believing lies about the Lord. Not so with David. David knew how gracious the Lord was. If there, these three choices had been given to an unre, uh, unregenerate, again, we're talking the Old Testament, but a, a man or woman who did not know God, uh, uh, they probably would have uh, chosen seven years of famine uh, or, or three months uh, fleeing before their enemies. But he knew the mercies of God. Please let us fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercies are great and do not let me fall into the hand 
of man. Verse 15, so the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning to the appointed time, from Dan, remember that's in the north, to Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. Remember, this is a judgment against the whole nation. David doesn't really know that, but we'll see that in a minute. But um, it's a judgment against the whole nation. And, and by the way, when there is a judgment, when I say, you know, the Lord still uses judgments to this day, there's no doubt that um, in my mind at all that this pandemic is from him. That doesn't matter. That Rather, it doesn't mean that individual people who died were themselves such evil people. They're singled out by God for judgment. A good friend of mine, uh, 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 he, well, he, he had been a dear friend of mine uh, in years past, a dear friend of mine by the name of Ed Delacour, a pastor of a church. Um, well, I just found out he died. Uh, a few days ago, I found out he died of COVID, and he was a tremendous man of God, a, a great encouragement to me. Years and years of pastoring a, a small church in, the, in, in Cape Cod, in Pocasset, in the town where my mother lived for many years, and uh, used to have breakfast with him uh, each summer, and uh, was very encouraging to me when I first came up here to, to wait on the Lord to start a church, and he was a man of God. And so it's, it's not that the individual, individuals who are caught up in judgment that that somehow they're more evil than everyone else no not at all it, it's the nation it's god trying to get a hold uh, the attention of the nation itself that's what happens uh in a judgment i mean there are some judgments like noah's judgment where that was not the case but for for the most noah's judgment the people really were wicked but but uh it, it you know over the course of the centuries where god chastens and he judges uh, many many righteous people have fallen in persecutions christian persecutions um uh that you know in 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 times like that they were godly men and women you know losing their lives and and uh, uh but um uh, in a sense, persecutions themselves against Christians are judgment against a nation. They're losing the voice of the people of God uh, who are going into a much, much, much more glorious place. And so um, there's this uh, judgment here, this plague. And then uh, verse 16 says, and when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem, To destroy it, the Lord relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, it is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, surely I have sinned. And I have done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. He doesn't realize it's a judgment against all Israel, but see, but this is the heart. This reminds you of Moses, right? Uh, Mo Moses was always willing to, to get there in the gap um, and uh, uh, with, with, the, with the Lord and, and just plead. And so David is saying, kill me, Lord. Um, let these people go. 
Verse 18, and Gad came that day to David and said to him, go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. Uh, and so instructions come to the prophet Gad, and uh, he, uh, he's told uh, to uh, go to this place, the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite, and make an altar there. And, 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 and an offering there on the altar. So verse 19, so David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Aruna went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Then Aruna said, why has my Lord the king come to his servants? And David said, to buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Aruna said to David, let my Lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing implements and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, Aruna has given to the king. And Aruna said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. Verse 24. It's a good verse to memorize. I'll explain in a little bit why. <laughs> then the king said to Aruna, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. And you know, sometimes when churches are the spiritual life of a person is a low, low point, they just give God the leftovers that, that they basically don't cost them anything. There's no sacrifice. Uh, in a sense, our giving to God must hurt. Now, I know preachers use this thing and they manipulate, um, but, but it's an important thing. Uh, uh, th that we, you know, in the book of, uh, in the book of Malachi, uh, God accuses Israel, Israel of just taking the, the sheep that they don't want and offering them to God. And so oftentimes, uh, this, when a church or a person's life is in a low state, they're just giving God the leftovers. There's no sacrifice. There's no hurt going on. And David says, no way am I going to take this threshing floor for for free i'm going to pay for it and i'm going to pay and get my own sheep because i'm not going to sacrifice to the lord my god with that which cost me nothing and so um, it says he david bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver and built david built there an altar to the lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings so the Lord heeded the prayers for the land, and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. Okay, so uh, this is wh why the Holy Spirit, uh, this is, appears to be the reason why the Holy Spirit chose to have this chapter, the last chapter of Second Samuel, rather than chapter 23, which were the last words of David, this chapter about David purchasing this plot and offering the sacrifice. 
uh, is the last chapter. Why? Well, uh, there can hardly be something more momentous than what is going on here. Um, what happens here is that because of David's offering, the plague is with uh, the, the, the plague is, is taken away here. Um, and uh, why is this so significant? Well, um, number one, the temple would be, would be put here. And on the temple, there are going to be sacrifices where because of the sacrifices, the lamb, the lambs offered every morning and every uh, night, the plague of the sin of the Israel will be taken away. Um, but it is also the case that um, on or about this place, it was on Mount Moriah. Uh, we know that from Second Chronicles chapter three, verse one, um, that, it, that this is on Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah was the place where Abraham sacrificed his son. Remember God told Abraham, well, he, he, didn't, he, he didn't sacrifice his son, but he went up to the mountain to sacrifice his son. Remember God had told Abraham, go to the place that I appoint you and take and sacrifice your son, your only son. And then um, Abraham took Isaac, um, up the mountain, Mount Moriah, on the top of Isaac was what the wood that would be used for his sacrifice, just as the Jesus had the cross. And, the, and there was a cross, at least temporarily, on Jesus that he uh, took up to, um, to, to Calvary, also on Mount Moriah. There can hardly be a more important foreshadowing um, um, of the death of Jesus Christ in which a king offered a sacrifice himself so that the plague of sin and guilt and shame would be taken off of you when you accept the, the, by faith the, 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 what he did for you. And so um, this is a, a truly sort of monumental story here uh, can hardly be an incident more important in the Old Testament than this one. Uh, a foreshadowing of, uh, of the death of Jesus Christ in which a king will offer an offering, his life, so that you, uh, will, uh, that you will no longer have to suffer the plague of your guilt and your shame and and, and, and really the condemnation of, of eternal torment and death in hell. And so quite a remarkable story to end 2 Samuel chapter 4 with. And uh, I tell you what, uh, uh, Laura, our worship leader today, uh, quoting the book of Isaiah, um, just about praising God, um, for what he has done for us. She made this statement, if God does no other good thing for you going, uh, going forward in, in, in your life now, there will still be plenty enough. And really that's, the that's an understatement that, that, um, uh, there be, uh, that you will have plenty enough because you can praise him for the cross, for eliminating the plague of hell from your life 
for uh, uh, taking it away and then giving you abundant life. Just, um, uh, and that's, that's what all this foreshadowed. Uh, it says that um, in, again, in the last verse, so the Lord heeded the prayers, he heeded the, the prayers and the sacrifice for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel.